handle things when they're a, a big news item that's controversial. Like there was a lot of attention on Twitter during the election because of the Hunter Biden laptop story. The New York Post. Yeah, we Post. had that too. Yeah, so you guys censored that as well? So we took a different path than Twitter. Um, I mean, basically the background here is the FBI, I think basically came to us, uh, some some folks on our team, and was like, hey, um, just so you know, like you should be on high alert. There was the, we we thought that there was a lot of Russian propaganda in the 2016 election. We have it on notice that basically there's about to be some kind of dump of of um, uh, uh, that's similar to that. So just be vigilant. So our protocol is different from Twitter's. What Twitter did is they said you can't share this at all. Um, we didn't do that. What, what we do is we have. Um, if something is reported to us as potentially um, misinformation, important misinformation, we we also have this third-party fact-checking program because we don't want to be deciding what's true and false. And for the, I think it was five or seven days when it was basically being um, being determined whether it was false, um, the distribution on Facebook was decreased, but people were still allowed to share it. So you could still share it. You could still consume it. So when you um, say the distribution has decreased, in, it, it got shared. It, how does that work? It basically the ranking in newsfeed was a little bit less, so fewer people saw it than would have otherwise. So it definitely by what percentage? I, I don't know off the top of my head, but it's 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 meaningful. But I mean, but basically, a um, a lot of people were still able to share it. We got a lot of complaints that that was the case. Um, you know, obviously this is a hyper-political issues. So depending on what side of the political spectrum, you either think we didn't censor it enough or censored it way too much. But right. but we weren't sort of as black and white about it as, as Twitter. We just kind of thought, hey, look, if, if the FBI, which you know, I still view as a legitimate institution in this country, it's a very professional law enforcement, they come to us and tell us that we need to be on guard about something, then I want to take that seriously. Did they specifically say you need to be on guard about that story? I, no, I don't remember if it was that specifically, but it was it basically fit the pattern. They put Peter Navarro in leg irons for simply doing his constitutional duty. Now they want to put Peter in prison for standing up for Donald Trump. Please go to Amazon right now and order Taking Back Trump's America to help fund Peter's legal defense. Taking Back Trump's America provides a critical MAGA blueprint to put Trump back in the White House in 2024. Buy Taking Back Trump's America on Amazon today. If they can put Peter Navarro in prison, they can come for all of us. Ah, the FBI, the FBI, the FBI. Let's bring in Miranda Devine forthwith without any uh, further ado. Um, Hey, Miranda, look, you have written the definitive book on this issue it's called the laptop from hell and i urge everybody to buy that book the question though i want to know first of all is like how early did you get involved in this story was it before the election took place can you give us an idea i know that the new york post lost its twitter account i think over this um and what what was your what was your experience can you just give us a chronology of your involvement and your take on what you think was going on with the social media you mean involvement with Rudy Giuliani initially in getting the laptop or are you just talking about the moment that we published on October 14 the, the moment the moment that you published 
yeah. um, in the post and then what happened in kind of the social media and does Zuckerberg's yeah. interview with Rogan give you a different perspective on what actually happened? No, Zuckerberg's lying. Um, the morning that we published, we kept the story until we normally publish the night before, you know, 10 at 10 p.m. or so. Uh, we kept this story until I think we published 5 a.m. And uh, at 11.10 a.m., Andy Stone, who was Facebook's communication manager, came out with a tweet on Twitter saying uh, that we have decided to suppress, um, let me get the exact wording. He said, while I will intentionally not link to the New York Post, I want to be clear that this story is eligible to be fact-checked by Facebook's third-party fact-checking partners. In the meantime, we are reducing its distribution on our platform. Effectively, they censored it. Now, Zuckerberg saying to Joe Rogan, oh, do, you know. Do you remember what day that sharing. was? What yeah, day that was, was that, 14, 14th of October, 2020. Okay, so this the was this was like the critical time in the election. 100%. This was a pivotal time. We now know that if 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 that if people had had been informed fully about the laptop from hell, Trump would be in office. Okay, so continue. Go ahead. So you think yeah, Zuckerberg I mean, lied? How did he lie? Is he saying that? Are you saying that Facebook did it on its own, or or that and the FBI had nothing to do? Facebook was the first. Twitter followed Facebook. It was Facebook. Uh -huh. And, uh, you know, Zuckerberg saying, oh, well, we didn't, we weren't quite as harsh as Twitter um, because Twitter locked our account for two weeks and only reopened the New York Post account a few days before the election. Um, but, uh, but Facebook was suppressing the story just as badly. I've had uh, so many communications in the last 24 hours from people who said they couldn't even share it with themselves to read on another device. Um, so, you know, there's, there's no uh, distinction between the two. And Facebook was number one. And Andy Stone, the Facebook communication manager who sounded the alarm, who set, set everybody in train to, to censor this story, uh, he he is a former, he worked for a Democratic super PAC, he worked for Barbara Boxer, he worked for the John Kerry uh, for President campaign. He's a Democratic operative, uh, as there are so many of them in Facebook. And so um, he, was, he was doing, uh, he was sending a signal by going onto Twitter to everybody, to Twitter, to the New York Times, to the Washington Post, do not touch this story, this story is dirty. And then the other intriguing part of Zuckerberg's um, very oily conversation with Joe Rogan was when he's asked, um, was the FBI warning that you received before the election about Russian disinformation, was it specifically to do with this story, like before our story came out? And he said, oh, I can't remember. Now, this is not something you would forget. <laughs> <laughs> so that's just yeah. a dead yeah. giveaway that he's not telling the truth. And that is very interesting because what his conversation with Rogan tells us is, again, the FBI, it's another point of light for the FBI, putting their thumb on the scale. And they did it uh, from there's an anti-Trump cabal uh, within the FBI uh, in the Washington field office, which has uh, been working against Donald Trump 
since before he was elected in 2016, continued on through the Russia collusion hoax and the Mueller investigation, um, trying to leave some sort of a cloud over the president, crippled his presidency. And then uh, you can follow that trail right up into the 2020 election when in August of 2020, when Ron Johnson and Chuck Grasley were doing really manful work on the um, Biden corruption influence peddling scheme that was being ignored and introduced, um, they uh, were ambushed uh, with, Ron Johnson was ambushed with this FBI so-called defensive briefing to warn them about Russian disinformation. And Ron Johnson, a few minutes into this conversation, could smell a rat. He said to the agents who were there, um, this is absolute BS. This is completely irrelevant to our investigation or any of the witnesses we're subpoenaing. Um, so if I see this in the media, I will know what the game is. And um, this FBI defensive debriefing um, came straight hot on the heels of Nancy Pelosi, Adam Schiff, Chuck Schumer kicking up a stink about the Johnson-Grasley investigation because they knew that they were getting very close to the heart of that corruption that the Bidens had been doing around the world during Joe Biden's vice presidency and beyond. And, um, and so the FBI then uh, gave the debriefing and sure enough, the next minute, you've got the New York Times, Washington Post running leaks about how Johnson and Grasley are peddling Russian disinformation and the FBI had to warn them about it. And then you fast forward from August to October of 2020, and that's when we now know, thanks to the FBI whistleblowers that have come forward to Chuck Grasley, that uh, there were two FBI operatives. There was um, Agent uh, Timothy Tebolt and there was analyst, FBI analyst Brian Orton, uh, both in Washington. And uh, they were suppressing the, um, according to the whistleblowers, any investigation into the Hunter Biden laptop, which the FBI had had in its possession since December 2019, almost a year. So uh, that was the, the next time that they put their thumb on the scale. So, you know, pardon us for being sceptical when we're supposed to trust the FBI now that they've raided Mar-a-Lago, you know, unprecedented uh, invasion of a former president's home, uh, when they won't release the affidavit. Uh, I'm sure when we see it, it'll be completely redacted to, to, to insignificant. Um, and uh, they refuse to tell us what information they're looking for. So again, what do we see? Randall, leaks let me, from the uh, let me of let's stay just a minute with, with this whole um, social media stuff. So, so is it, are you saying that Twitter and Facebook would have suppressed the laptop from hell anyway or did it on their own volition? Um, or are you saying that the FBI went to them and was part of kind of the conspiracy. I mean, what's what's the timeline on that, dude? We, Zuckerberg says the FBI came to them before they did the suppression. Do you believe well, that? Is it relevant? I mean, what's I, what's Zuckerberg's game, yeah, and why did he that. wait to 2022? Why, why would why would Zuckerberg lie about the FBI coming to him? Because that is a get out of jail free card for him, you see. And if yeah. he lied about it, um, it, it, the FBI would make it known. So, um, and we know that the FBI was going around briefing people before the election of, you know, defensive briefings about Russian disinformation. Yeah. I just told you about with Bradley and Johnson. Yeah. So, 
yeah. I, I, um, I think what um, happened is that uh, John Paul MacIsaac just go wind back to December 2019. He's had the laptop now for since April, um, and he's disturbed about the content he's seen on it. Um, it is legal. Uh, possession because Hunter hasn't picked it up and um, he's worried about it so he does the right thing he contacts the FBI and he tells them that there's information on there that is disturbing and potentially criminal in nature and he thinks also that it could be exculpatory for Donald Trump in what was going on right at that minute was um, the impeachment over Ukraine and John Paul MacIsaac knew that there was a lot of material about Biden corruption with regard to Ukraine. And so um, so the FBI has this information. John Paul MacIsaac says that when the, one of the agents was leaving his shop with the laptop and the hard drive, he turned around and made a comment that John Paul MacIsaac thought was sinister, thought might have been a threat. And um, basically saying, you know, people that keep their mouths shut don't get into trouble. And then yeah. we know that the laptop just sat there and, and nothing was happening exactly. with it. Um, but uh, we also know that the FBI was monitoring. They had um, a secret warrant into Rudy Giuliani's cloud. And so whether or not they uh, caught on to the fact that John Paul MacIsaac had contacted Rudy Giuliani and given this very eloquent email about the information he had that Bob Costello, Giuliani's lawyer, intercepted. Uh, we don't know. But at some time after that, the FBI went into overdrive with their Russia disinformation warnings. Now, what really we want to know is were they warning that it was going to be something to do with Joe Biden, Hunter Biden, uh, a laptop, a big dump? I mean, that's what Zuckerberg says, a big dump. And he tries to backtrack after that. That's yeah, he was me. intentionally he was intentionally obtuse about what exactly he was being asked to suppress. I know that Miranda, uh, can you hang on for the next segment here? Sure. We got lots to do here. All right. So um, Peter K. Navarro in for saving K. Bannon. You are in the War Room, the number one podcast in politics in the world. Uh, we'll be right back um, with breaking news here. On the laptop from hell, apparently uh, Zuckerberg lied to Joe Rogan. Um, why am I not surprised? Navarro, in for Bannon, back in a moment. You know what's never good? When your nation's supposed authority on economic policy completely misses the flashing red lights of impending inflation. Now, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen has finally admitted, quote, there's been an unanticipated and large shocks to the economy that have boosted energy and food prices and supply bottlenecks that affected our economy badly that I didn't at the time fully understand, end quote. You know who understands the real threat of inflation? People who invested in gold and silver with Birch Gold Group. They're protecting their savings from a highly turbulent economy by diversifying their 401k or IRA into gold, physical gold. It's not too late for you to take action now. Text Bannon, B-A-N-N-O-N, 
to 989898 and get a free info kit on diversifying and protecting your savings with precious metals. With an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, and thousands of satisfied customers, text Bannon, B-A-N-N-O-N, to 989898. And get the real help from Birch Gold today. Again, text Bannon to 989898 to claim your free, no-obligation information kit on protecting your savings with gold. Pandemic with Stephen K. Bannon. The epidemic is a demon, and we cannot let this demon hide. War Room. Pandemic. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Peter K. Navarro in for Stephen K. Bannon. We've been talking with uh, Miranda Devine of the New York Post. Uh, And uh, here's the chilling picture uh, that Miranda Devine has presented to us. And she's got street cred on this because she wrote the definitive book on the laptop from hell. In fact, it's called The Laptop from Hell. Get it today on Amazon. Um, What she described in the last segment should chill the hearts and souls of every American. She described an FBI, which seemingly on a sustained basis, has coordinated its attempts to take out Donald Trump, that's as, that's as gently as I can put it, with both the mainstream media, the New York Times, the Washington Post, um, on the one hand, and then the, the social media, Zuckerberg at Facebook, the, the Twitter folks, in ways designed to spread misinformation, suppress information, and thereby swing the election in favor of Joe Biden, which, I mean, if you think about the definition of insurrection, those guys are armed at the FBI, and that what they did was they engineered an insurrection. They got rid of Donald Trump. So I got a couple of questions for you, Miranda. Is it your view, as I've said it, that, that the FBI works closely with the media and social media on its disinformation campaigns? And secondly, and more importantly, is this a rogue operation within the FBI by an identifiable small group of agents, or is this just endemic to the culture at the FBI? Miranda. Uh, look, I would hope that it's the former, uh, but it, it looks like it's throughout the FBI. I mean, you just look at the Gretchen Whitmer uh, entrapment case and in Michigan. And you see how the um, the guy who was the lead agent on that disastrous case was then promoted to the Washington field office to take charge of the January 6th investigation, which is the largest investigation in FBI history. That's absurd. I mean, this was, um, you know, it was terrible what happened on January 6th. The violence was appalling, uh, but it was a riot that went on for a few hours and America had just lived through uh, months of rioting in the summer of 2020 leading up to the 2020 election as a deliberate political ploy to sow chaos and make Donald Trump look bad. So um, I I have grave fears and I mean, people I know, ex-FBI agents, uh, 
confirm that there is a problem throughout the FBI. Obviously, there are lots of very good FBI agents who are still there and keeping their heads down. But, you know, there's talk that um, a lot of the conservative agents were basically fired or shuffled out or demoted and uh, and a whole lot of young crew of radicals was hired. And uh, maybe Have that's you, what uh, As the New York Post, you mentioned uh, in the earlier segment uh, names. You, you actually named names. Has the New York Post done anything to compile kind of a matrix of FBI agents with their names who participated, for example, in the raid in Mar-a-Lago or putting me in leg irons or going to Facebook and Twitter or leading the raid on Roger Stone or being part of the Russia hoax? I mean, it seems to me that if we if we were able to look at that matrix and see who yeah. the agents are, it's either a small, powerful group or it's much larger. So I would ask you, has there been any effort at good journalism uh, to do that, Miranda? Yeah, not graphically. We've written um, plenty of stories, but you're right. It really needs to be a kind of a heat map and uh, the matrix of connections between these people. And it is possible to do that. I mean, uh, Chuck Grasley and Ron Johnson um, and James Comer have been um, putting out letters and dripping dribs and drabs. You're getting a few names here, a few names there. Uh, we had um, names of uh, a couple of the FBI agents who were involved in the Mar-a-Lago raid. Uh, came out in some of the documents that were released. Um, and so, you know, it, it, it should be possible. I, I, I might do it. Um, just piece together um, who's who. I have a list of who's who so far. I haven't got a lot of names yet. Um, but uh, it's certainly, um, there is, there, there seems to be a cabal, a group, and they seem to be centred in the Washington field office. Uh, and they have become politicized. At the very least, you'd say they are politicized. Let, let, let's do journalism. Let's do a little journalism on the fly here, too, because what I've learned is that there's at least one or more people who were at the FBI who have migrated over to the Department of Justice and are now working on investigations related to Mar-a-Lago or me or, or Jan, whatever as, as part of yeah, it's kind of like how how does that happen? Like like how how can that be that that the FBI now now has people over at the DOJ? Have you have you tracked any of that at all? Do you know? Have you seen any of that? No, I haven't. But I I do know that uh, you know Obama people, Lisa Monaco, and uh, I can't remember the name of her deputy. Um, they were involved uh, in in the you know Russia collusion era. Uh, at yes. the tail end of the Obama administration. And um, so I, I Lisa Monaco was at the FBI and now she's at DOJ, right? Yeah. And and her deputy, um, again, same thing. And he had to resign um, from the DOJ uh, over the uh, initial warrant into Carter Page. I mean, it, sorry, when I say he had to resign, he just voluntarily resigned himself. Um, as as that was becoming a bit of a hot potato, uh, and now he's back as Lisa Monica's deputy. Monaco's deputy, can't remember his name. Um, hey, but uh, and where do you yeah, place Chris Ray in all of this? Chris Ray is like the head of the thing. Is he like the useful idiot for this cabal, yeah. or is he? I think he's just he's just weak. Uh, you know, he's a pretty boy. Um, he doesn't. He hasn't. I think he really has no idea or turns a blind eye to what's going on yeah. below him. Yeah. And look, the FBI is a very different. 
difficult monster to tame because, you know, it, it has dozens of field officers all over the country. And uh, Chris Ray boasts about how he, he takes uh, the FBI's private jet, uh, which he uses to go on holiday in, um, and he flies all around the country and visits these field officers and has a discussion with them you know, very open and everyone can tell him what they think and then he gets back in his plane and goes back to Washington. He thinks that that's uh, enough, but it's not. Um, he, he's been told, he knows. Uh, just if you looked at the letters that Chuck Bradley and Ron Johnson have sent him, they've given him fair warning about the rot within his uh, agency. But, and he just but doesn't, Chris, doesn't Chris Ray have to sign off on all of these things? I mean, wouldn't he have had to sign off? On Mar-a-Lago, putting me in leg irons, Roger, St- yeah, the raid on Stone. I mean, and by the way, on the pretty boy thing, I love that. I, I, I describe Chris Ray as the only guy who has better hair than Steve Bannon. But back to you, Miranda. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, look, and, and the thing about Chris Ray is that he, he comes before um, these the Senate inquiries and he's glib. He bats everything away. Um, he he spends half the time defending the men and women of the FBI. It's not about that. You know, Americans are not, uh, conservatives are not anti-law enforcement, as Christopher Wray and um, Merrick Garland and the Democratic Party are trying to make out. They're pro-law enforcement and nothing's changed. Um, but they're not pro-crooked law enforcement. And when you have yeah. an element, at least an element, maybe the whole culture of the FBI showing itself to be rotten and politicized, then um, of course you have to root that out. Um, rooting that out is being for law and order, not against it. I mean, that's a, that's a big accusation that, 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 that the FBI now as it's presently constituted is acting, they've weaponized their investigatory powers in a partisan way. But but you stand by that. I mean, we've seen enough evidence now. This latest thing, after Mar-a-Lago, this latest thing would seem to be the nail in that coffin, would it not? I mean, how dare yes, they? And, and it, uh, what I'm saying is not an unusual view. Rasmussen Poll a couple of weeks ago found that a majority of Americans um, – um, maybe not a majority, but about 50% of Americans felt that the FBI was acting as Joe Biden, quote, personal Gestapo, which was a quote from Roger Stone. So um, the FBI's reputation has plummeted, and it's plummeted not because, uh, you know, people at the New York Post or in, at War Room have been criticising the FBI. It's because of what the FBI has done itself. Done. Uh, you know, the Gretchen yeah. Whitmer trial uh, fiasco is a perfect example of that. Um, and and there are so many unanswered questions. Revolver News um, has done a great job uh, of looking into the pipe bomb uh, mystery. Those pipe bombs on January 6th planted at the DNC and the RNC headquarters. Um, we've never heard anything about them. And yet yeah. the FBI has all that forensic firepower. Surely they could have found something a fingerprint a, a fingerprint in the in the in in whatever gunpowder is in there um they've got cctv Miranda, footage, um, 
Sadly, okay. we're going to have to end our time together, but I want to give you the last 20 seconds or so. Uh, I want to recommend Laptop from Hell. Everybody get that on Amazon right now. Um, read Miranda's column uh, at the New York Post. Uh, it go, comes out a couple of times a week. And Miranda, um, what's your uh, best way to uh, follow Miranda Devine? Yeah, at Miranda Devine on Twitter. Um, I'm on Getter, Truth Social, everywhere. And, uh, and also, at the risk of log rolling, look out for Peter's book coming up, which will be great, the sequel to In Trump's Time, Trump Time. And uh, also, just like to say that of all the people in America, I think Zuckerberg is the most responsible for Joe Biden being in office. All right, there's some breaking news there, too. Miranda, thanks for your time. We'll be right back in the war room. In Joe Biden's America, criminals are exalted and the police are condemned. Sad to say, but you need to be prepared and properly trained to defend yourself and to defend your family. Thankfully, there's iTarget Pro. This revolutionary system allows you to dry fire practice with your actual firearm anytime in the safety and privacy of your own home. No more inconvenient trips to the range and with inflation causing the price of ammo to skyrocket, you save a ton of money. Just download iTarget's proprietary app, load the laser bullet into your firearm, and start your training experience. iTarget will help you develop muscle memory, sharpen target reaction speed, sight alignment, trigger function, and more. iTarget Pro comes in all the major calibers, so you can stay sharp with almost any firearm. Go to iTargetPro.com right now and save 10% plus. Get free shipping with the offer code Bannon, B-A-N-N-O-N. All one word. This makes a great gift for Father's Day and is less expensive than a few hours at the range. That's the letter itargetpro.com. That's itargetpro.com. Offer code Bannon, B-A-N-N-O-N. War Room Pandemic with Stephen K. Bannon. The epidemic is a demon and we cannot let this demon hide. War Room Pandemic. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Peter K. Navarro in for the great Stephen K. Bannon. Uh, we're going to shift gears now and talk uh, with the great Dr. Robert Malone about an issue which uh, I've been fighting side by side with him. Um, dating back, I think uh, our first article in the Great Washington Times was in July of 2021, where we laid out essentially exactly what has happened with respect to uh, the vaccine, uh, whereby we said at the time it should be used parsimoniously only with people who had the highest risk, senior citizens, people with comorbidities. Otherwise, you would run the risk of creating um, vaccine-resistant mutants, and all hell could break loose going forward there. And in a, in a series of three articles in the Washington Times, um, and salute Kelly Sadler there as, as the editor who helped, um, we identified a number of s- severe side effects, including myocarditis for young, young men. And now we're at a situation where uh, the government, Fauci, Biden et al., continues to double down triple down, quadruple down on the need for boosters, 
At the same time, data is coming in from all over the world that says that we ought to walk away from that vaccine um, immediately. So that's kind of the chessboard. Doc Malone, um, did I get that sort of right? And what's the state of play now? What do you want to share with the posse today about this uh, this sad situation? Uh, Peter, as usual, you summarized it succinctly and accurately. Uh, all I can do is fill in some of the granularity. The data from all over the world is demonstrating that those that are highly inoculated, I'm using that word rather than vaccinated for obvious reasons, are the ones that are being most frequently hospitalized and dying. Now, the, there are those that take issue with that and they're picking around the edges saying, well, uh, it may be because the elderly or the high risk or the more highly inoculated, but no matter how you slice it, it's now clear that the vaccines are not, not only not protecting against infection, replication and spread, but they are also not effective in protecting against severe disease and death. That's unequivocal. The uh, Pfizer and Moderna uh, have both launched new products, which have two, at least two different spike proteins, one being the original Wuhan one, which is the one that uh, so many people have been inoculated with repeatedly. And the other one is with a Omicron variant, which they assert will protect against BA5. This has now uh, been authorized under emergency use in the UK. So in this case, instead of Israel, uh, the citizens of the UK are being the guinea pigs on this product, and that's the Moderna version. In our case, we've already purchased over $4 billion of each of these products, and they will be uh, rolled out and administered uh, the government hopes to do that before the election. And they assert that these are going to be more effective, but they will not perform any clinical trials prior to the deployment. And that is by allowance of FDA and CDC. So no clinical trials, new uh, composition of matter, um, uh, hoping that some data comes out of the UK to support the safety. But uh, all over the world, the data are coming in that the highly inoculated are getting more disease and more death. And uh, as an uh, expert in this area, it, my it, assessment it, it, is... Doc, it's, it's stop right there, because that's really the crux of the matter here. Why do you think... It's not just that the vaccine's not working to prevent infections um, and symptoms. Why do you think people have a greater probability in some cases of dying if they're vaccinated. You're the, you're the scientist. What the hell's going on there? That's like weird or not. So I justify, So the FDA has acknowledged from the outset the risk of antibody-dependent enhancement. And that is a hard, uh, that's a hard thing to prove. Uh, there, it, what we have are the clear data of the clinical effects and a huge amount of data about original antigenic sin or immune imprinting, which the government has completely ignored. But now recently, there's been one small article that was overlooked, published in the Washington Post, that acknowledged the problem of original antigenic sin, which is kind of a, a 
synonym to uh, immune imprinting. So this is the problem that we spoke about here on the war room, and yeah. I also testified in the Texas Senate. Uh, uh, you know, quite it seems like forever ago, at least two months it seems like, uh, and now it's starting to be acknowledged. But you'll recall I said back then that I would absolutely not advise anyone to take these products and that they looked like the perfect uh, storm for making this problem uh, even worse than it already is. And now so, there's- So Doc, again, this, for, the, no. for the posse out there, we're lay people here. This original antigenic sin, as I understand it, not, not well, but it's the idea that whatever type of vaccine you get, you run the risk of it kind of imprinting your immune system in such a way going forward that number one, it can't be undone. And number two, it may make you more susceptible to variants of the virus. And therefore that's dangerous. Is that, is that originally antigenic sin? Is that, is that it? Yeah. The, the easy way to think about it is that in all of us and classically in the military, uh, we're biased by our prior experiences, hence the Maginot Line and the French uh, with the uh, German Blitzkrieg is just one great example from history. The same is true with your immune system. Your original exposures to a vaccine or a pathogen will bias all of your subsequent immune responses. And that bias that was created in people that were either infected with Wuhan 1, like I was, or have been uh, repeatedly vaccinated in particular with anti-Wuhan 1 spike, drives kind of a focus of your immune system towards that. And Wuhan 1 no longer circulates. Uh, and so uh, it's been shown in multiple papers, most notably in a science paper that was a study of of healthcare workers in the UK, that if you have uh, infection, particularly with Wuhan 1, and then this subsequent uh, boosting, 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 it creates a situation where if you get hit with Omicron, you actually have far worse outcomes and worse immunologic response than people that never got reboosted like that. So that's, that's what's going on. And uh, that is, there may be other things that are going on. I'm not saying that. Um, uh, is and, there an autoimmune response yeah. problem? The autoimmune thing is where where your body can can overreact to something. I, I think. Um, so I, autoimmunity is, a, is another problem. So there are so many problems now with the effects of these vaccines that it's easy to get them all mixed up. The autoimmune problem is complicated and multifaceted. One of the aspects is that spike protein binds to many different cells and platelets, and it can act as a foreign antigen that will cause your body to see your normal antigens as if they're foreign. Yeah, so this yeah, is yeah. a classic yeah, yeah. way that yeah. autoimmunity happens. And the consequence of this particular problem is observed in the patients that develop an autoimmune thrombocytopenia. That means that their body is attacking their platelets. Are we seeing that as a problem with the vaccines? Has been a problem with the vaccines and noted as one of the adverse events almost since the beginning of the rollout. But again, another thing that's denied by the CDC 
as has been the case with so many others. Is there anybody, let's take the general population now, who should get the vaccine, if anybody, and who should not at this point, based on what we know? The, I would call it the inoculator, because we know when you said it inoculates, not vaccines, we know it's not a true vaccine. But if you're the head of the CDC or NIH right now advising the president, what do, you, what do you tell them, Doc? you tell them nobody should get it? We need a moratorium now? Do we say give it to only the most vulnerable? Where are we at now with, with a situation which is becoming increasingly an existential threat to the world population? I don't think that's an over-exaggeration. No, it's not. Uh, so I don't have to rely just on my judgment. I represent over 17,000 physicians and medical scientists. And we came out with a clear, unequivocal press conference statement a few months ago uh, in which we said unequivocally, the data are now sufficiently compelling that we believe that these vaccines are not indicated for any population and should be withdrawn. That's a, that's a, that's a serious, serious policy shift. And and to, to, the reason why we're talking about this today, frankly, is because we've had this, this this strange thing happen on Capitol Hill where this subcommittee um, on the coronavirus um, went after me and President Trump. They went after President Trump. They now want to blame President Trump for all the uh, bad side effects of the virus up on Capitol Hill, even as the White House and people on Capitol Hill continue to push for the virus. So that's why we're talking about it. Um, do you see any Democrats uh, wanting to declare moratorium, any Republicans, or, or, or are we uh, essentially a fringe group still at this point, despite the fact we've been right um, every step of the way? So thank you. Uh, and uh, Dr. Navarro, as you know, uh, just because uh, things are true uh, doesn't mean anything in the environment of the Kabuki theater that goes on in, uh, in environments where a single party controls the government. This is not a partisan issue. It should not be a partisan issue. It has been politicized. Uh, the Actions by that subcommittee, including their attacks on Scott Atlas, clearly demonstrate this ongoing effort right now to rewrite the narrative and to scrub any information on the internet that is contradictory to the uh, narrative or which would point to duplicity or guilt on the part of any members of the current administration. I hesitate to call it the Biden administration. Uh, Doc, this, um, this should not be partisan. I want to stop you now simply to give you, we got like 20 seconds. I want everybody to know how to get to Doc Malone, particularly his Substack. Doc, uh, it's always great to talk to you. How do people reach you? Please do follow. You don't have to pay. Follow uh, our account at Substack at rwmalonemd.com. Our, our uh, getter account at RWMaloneMD is always the first place I go to to post new information. Sir, you are a patriot. Uh, you've been right 
Um, and I'm sad that you and I have been right on this subject, but uh, push is coming to shove. I'm Peter Navarro, and for Stephen K. Bannon, we'll be back. Um, and we're going to end this, um, this show with a, uh, with a tribute. And everybody, uh, please stay. Americans are discovering that if we want to change this nation, we have to change the way the marketplace works. Look, woke corporations are seeking to divide us. Big banks are freeing the, freezing the accounts of people who disagree with their political views. And our supply chain is dependent upon countries that actively work against our values, like the Chinese Communist Party. It's time for a change. And that change starts with you and your wallet. That's why I'm proud to partner with Public SQ, the largest network of patriotic, freedom-loving businesses and consumers our nation has ever seen. Public SQ is the first app to connect freedom-loving Americans with their local community and the businesses that share their values. Whether you want to support a restaurant that only buys from local farms, a coffee shop that took a stand against COVID mandates, or a bank that can never cancel you for your political views, Public SQ is your guide. There's also interactive, sensor-free community groups where you can connect with other local members. And here's the best part of it. It's absolutely free to join. Just download the Public SQ app from the Apple Store or Google Play. Create an account and begin your search. You can also list your business for free so your local community can support you. Download the app today. Public SQ. That's Public SQ. Public SQ. Go to the Apple App Store or Google Play. Take action do this today. Millions of Americans are waking up to a country they don't recognize. And while they struggle to raise their families and pay the bills, the media and corporations are telling them they're what's wrong with the country. Well, thankfully, there are a few companies that still believe in America and our Constitution. Patriot Mobile, America's only Christian conservative cell phone company, is on the front lines fighting for the sanctity of life, religious freedom, and the Second Amendment. This is why Patriot Mobile is different from every other provider out there. Inflation has made it really hard on many Americans. Thankfully, Patriot Mobile has plans for almost any budget. They offer the same nationwide coverage as the major carriers. I want to repeat that. They offer the same nationwide coverage as the major carriers. Get the same great service plus the knowledge that your money is supporting the values that made America great and will make her great again. Go to PatriotMobile.com. That's one word, PatriotMobile.com slash Bannon. Or call 972-PATRIOT. That's 972-PATRIOT. Use the offer code Bannon to get free activation. Special discounts are available for veterans and first responders. Join our movement. Make the switch today. PatriotMobile.com slash Bannon. That's PatriotMobile.com slash Bannon. Or call 972-PATRIOT. Action, action, action. Do this today. War Room Pandemic with Stephen K. Bannon. The epidemic is a demon and we cannot let this demon hide. War Room Pandemic. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Peter K. Navarro in for Stephen K. Bannon. Um, It's a somber day. It's the one-year anniversary of the Kabul airport terrorist attack. Americans died, uh, but the sad news here even more is that more Americans may well die. And we wanna bring in um, Sam Faddis right now to describe uh, the dangers in the wake of the uh, irresponsible way in which the Biden regime exited uh, from Afghanistan. So Sam, 
Um, on this somber day, um, tell us uh, what your concerns are. Well, look, we all uh, know that there needs to be an accounting for the disaster that happened a year ago, right? There are a lot of people that need to be held to account. The immediate danger is, is this, the immediate problem. Um, as much as we'd like it to, Afghanistan did not go away. It's a terrorist super state now. It's got billions of dollars in U.S. money. We're talking, for the love of God, about releasing to them $7 billion in frozen funds. The Taliban and al-Qaeda are virtually uh, indistinguishable, right? He hit Zawahiri. He was living in a guest house provided by Siraj Haqqani, one of the top Taliban leaders. These guys have money. They got resources. They got a platform from which to launch attacks. Their agenda has not changed. And we have virtually no capacity to inhibit what they're getting ready to do. So the bottom line is we're going to get hit and people are going to die. That's the sad truth. And what kind of hits are we talking about? Uh, obviously not kind of conventional warfare. Are we talking about Osama um, uh, bin Laden type uh, terrorist attacks? Yeah, look, uh, the, the hallmark of Al-Qaeda and groups that have followed its path was to declare war on what they call the far enemy. That's us and everybody that stands with us. In other words, explicitly the battle is not to be fought there it is to be fought here that's what 9 11 was all about at the time we went into afghanistan in 2001 osama had multiple biological weapons programs underway was pursuing chemical weapons and was in contact with senior former senior nuclear scientists from the pakistani nuclear program and discussing the construction of an atomic bomb for al-Qaeda. 9-11 was never intended to be the end of anything. His ambitions at that time were to follow on with the tax that would make 9-11 look like a good day. That remains their ambition, as sick and twisted as that is. The only reason it hadn't happened is because for 20 years we've stopped them. Now we're not doing that anymore. We're giving them breathing space. The result is inevitable. Can, can you take us back uh, to that day uh, a year ago and explain to uh, the war room um, what exactly happened, how many people died, and how it could have been prevented? Right. Well, the immediate cause is a, a suicide bomber, right, who detonates in a, in a crowd and we end up losing 13 U.S. servicemen, I believe 12 Marines and one U.S. Army person, if I, if I remember correctly. But, but the broader context in which this happens is you have placed everyone at, by that point in a completely untenable position. That airport sits in the bottom of a valley surrounded by high ground. We had pulled out our forces, given up Bagram, and allowed everybody to come in in mass numbers crowded around and and virtually onto the airfield well, in some cases onto the airfield so the miracle out of that is not that 13 people died as as horrifying as that is the miracle is that we didn't end up losing one heck of a lot more more people the 18th airborne corps when they were tasked to handle the evacuation explicitly drew up a plan saying we need to hold on to bagram air base 
because we have to have a base of operations. We have to have troops in the ground. They even took up a, a put, put together a plan after we gave up Bagram to jump back in and retake it to handle this. The Biden administration intervened and said, no, here's this completely militarily untenable situation. We're sticking you in it. Good luck. That's that's precisely what happened. Do you know how many acres the footprint of Bagram is? I'm, I'm thinking, I mean, there were so many American weapons that U.S. taxpayers paid for that we essentially gifted to our enemies. Um, it would have been would have been possible to store a lot of that uh, material on the Bagram Air Force Base if we had held on it. Sure, I don't. I don't know off the top of my head what the exact footprint is, but it's a very large installation. It was originally built by the the Russians. Obviously, when they were in Afghanistan, dramatically expanded by us. If you wanted to, you could make it impregnable. Also, by the way, you know, you can destroy things that we don't take out. I mean, if we yeah. if we can't put everything on a plane and we can't safeguard it. You can at least blow it up and render it unusable to the enemy. That's a relatively simple thing to do. And by the way, since we have complete control of the air, every day that passed after we left Afghanistan, we made an affirmative decision not to go in and destroy armored vehicles, weapons, uh, you know, uh, rifles, machine guns, explosives. We allowed it to sit there. We we had at any point, Sam, the capacity Sam, what, is, what was the mind? We only got a minute left here. What was the mindset of the Biden regime? Was this was just like just fecklessness or did they have like a, a legitimate rationale, stupid though it might have been for doing what they did? You know, I have to tell you that I that what I think I see in the Biden administration is the most toxic mix of arrogance and incompetence I have ever seen in my life. So they just have no idea what they're doing, but they are ideologues and they are convinced they are on the right side of history. And and God knows how many people will pay the price for the way they handled Afghanistan. Sam, you were a patriot. Uh, how do people follow you? Uh, you have social media handles. Easiest, easiest way to find me is go to And Magazine, which is at Substack, which my wife and I run and magazine.substack.com that'll take you to everywhere else we are on the net all right my brother we'll bow our heads uh, in prayer for the those who died a year ago thank you for being on the war room sir i'm uh, peter k navarro out we'll see you at five o'clock Folks, let me tell you about Salty. It's a company that makes a soft gel supplement rich in antioxidants to help people like you and me keep a healthy heart. While COVID gets all the headlines, it's important to realize that heart disease kills nearly 700,000 Americans every year. Yes, heart disease is the number one killer every year, year in and year out. Heart disease builds over time. Hypertension, high blood pressure, bad cholesterol, diabetes, all of it affects our heart. A healthy heart is key to being energetic as we get older. It is never too early to take care of your heart. You see, heart disease sneaks up on us. You can start in your 30s, and when this happens, you're at serious risk by the time you turn 60. If you want to take care of your heart, 
and those you care about, please go to warroomhealth.com. That's warroomhealth.com. All one word, warroomhealth.com. Use the code WARROOM at checkout to save 67% of your first shipment. That's code WARROOM at checkout to save 67%. Do it again. WARROOMHEALTH, all one word, WARROOMHEALTH.COM. Go there today. You need, if you're going to be part of the posse, you need a strong heart. You need a lion's heart. How we're going to do that is with Salty. Go there. Do it today. Check it out. They put Peter Navarro in leg irons for simply doing his constitutional duty. Now they want to put Peter in prison for standing up for Donald Trump. Please go to Amazon right now and order Taking Back Trump's America to help fund Peter's legal defense. Taking Back Trump's America provides a critical MAGA blueprint to put Trump back in the White House in 2024. Buy Taking Back Trump's America on Amazon today. If they can put Peter Navarro in prison, they can come for all of us.